For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'm full of hay fever this week, so I do apologise if I'm sniffing my way for the next 45 minutes or so. That said, we will talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front again and wearing the captain's armband is Carl. Carl, how have things been with you this past week? Yeah, really good, thanks Dan. And now we're close now, aren't we? So the excitement is picking up a little bit um, and just can't wait to get these first games underway now. Yep, we're nearly there. Whether we're going to be that excited in about a week's time if results don't go away, we don't know. But that's something we'll worry about in future episodes. Also on the show tonight is James. James, you're back in the groove after last week. Hope you're looking forward to this one. Absolutely, mate. Yeah, like, like Carl said, um, the excitement has kind of peaked now. Uh, I just want to see us back out on the pitch and hopefully we can return to, uh, to winning ways. And tonight, I'm handing out a debut cap. It goes to the way of JJ. JJ, it's a pleasure to have you on board. I hope you're raring to go. Thank you, mate. Excited and I just can't wait to see us playing again, to be honest. Top man. We'll discuss all of that in a minute and more. So let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect all the latest talking points. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come On You Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. You can, of course, follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at Coys underscore COM. Also on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business takes us to the eventual restart to the Premier League. Carl, now there's been some almighty hurdles to clear. That's putting it lightly. But bar another unforeseen crisis in the next couple of days... It does look like we're finally going to see Spurs kicking a football in anger once again. Yeah, can't can't wait, Dan. Like as you say, it's been a long wait. There's been some, you know, it's, it's been touch and go at times, hasn't it? You know, and even after Friday's friendly with Norwich, that kind of, you know, something comes up that makes you just panic when you find out a Norwich player had been confirmed with coronavirus. You know, it's quite funny when people said, you know, if it was a goalkeeper, we'd be all right because we probably got nowhere near him. Um, but... Yeah, just these little scares come up and we we never knew if we'd get here or not. But now we have. I'm looking forward to it. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, obviously we'll talk about an injury later in the show. But we've got a virtually fully fit squad of players we'd want to pick from. They've all had a good rest. Jose's had some time. We just have to hope now we hit the ground running in what is a nine-game sprint to the finish. Well, James, in terms of that sprint... How do you reckon that's going to pan out? Do you get the feeling that Tottenham are going to have to get out the blocks quite quickly? Because if they don't, and the Red Devils on Friday night come away with all three points, is that the final nail in the top four slash top five coffin for this season? Uh, I wouldn't say it's the final nail. Um, obviously, it's, it's going to be a massive, massive loss if, if we do lose. It's a, it's a bit of a six-pointer for, for that fourth Champions League spot. Um, so you know we really need to to win that game, and you'd think with the amount of preparation that's gone into into this game, um, you'd think that we, we we'd be well prepared for Man United, and you'd hope that we started well and and didn't you know concede an early goal that'd be a real killer for us. But yeah, it's really important that we get a, a positive result because it, it's gonna it's gonna knock our confidence if if without you know we haven't played football for three months and we go out there and lose straight away, uh, it's gonna be a real kick in the teeth. But I say, hopefully there's been enough preparation. As Carl says, we've got a fit squad, a bar in one or two. Uh, and you'd, you'd like to think that, that enough preparation has gone in on the training ground and, and in the classrooms that uh, we've got enough to, to overpower this Man United side. So, you know, fingers crossed, because this is an absolutely huge game in our season. 
and JJ, as for the preparations, the news that Jafet Tanganga has got a stress fracture in his back is far from ideal news, especially as you would like to believe he would have played some kind of pivotal role in Tottenham's back four on Friday. So how much of a miss will the youngster be? Yeah, I actually think it'll be a massive miss given his pace with United's attack. And it's just very spursy, isn't it? Getting an injury right before we go again. Everyone's been talking about we finally have a full fit squad, how we can make a run for it. And then this happens. So what can you do about it? But it'll be a massive miss, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there is the Spursy tag. I guess, on balance, if someone said to you, you can have all of your attackers back and you lose Tanganga, I think that's probably the trade-off. You're never going to go quietly or back into a restart calmly and sort of with every egg in your basket. So, you know, these things happen. It's not too much of a, you know, a Spursy sort of token, but it is a bad news story for Friday, no doubt about that. With that said, Cole, do you see our sort of starting eleven? changing much from week to week. We'll get to our 11s for this coming game at the end of the show. But in sense of you've got enough options now and people aren't necessarily going to be at their peak fitness. So does Mourinho go with a cohesive 11, which he thinks is his best, to try and win as many matches as possible? Or does he now think, actually, I've got all these options. I might need to sort of just chop, change, rotate where I can. I think that that'll all depend basically on how the games go, you know, because I think while top four is still there, you're going to play your best side and basically go for every game. I think, as we say, if we was to lose to United and then drop a few other points, I think the minute top four becomes impossible, then I think you might see a change in tactics with how we play. And then you might see the sort of swapping and changing. You know, he might then start to look at players with a view to next season in mind. But I think right now when we start and, you know, if we get off to a good start and that Champions League is there and we're in with a shout, I think then each week you've got to go with your strongest side. Like as we're saying, this is a nine-game sprint. So so this is not a time where you can ease off or suddenly think, OK, I'll give this guy a rest. It's nine games. That's get there. If everything's going smoothly, brilliant. But yes, if suddenly, if you tell me suddenly once top four is out the equation, I'd then be happily to say, well, yeah, that, that's try some players. That's, you know, that's give certain people a rest and then, you know, hopefully get them ready even more for next season with that in mind. But, yeah, I think you'll see him pick his best side while we're still in with a shout at the Champions League. Let me throw this to JJ, because this is a question I sort of ask every debutant. I think you actually asked it yourself on Twitter. Let's say, worst case scenario, we do use, lose to Manchester United and all of a sudden that top four, top five dream really starts to dissipate quite quickly. At that point, JJ, do you start chucking the season, as it were, and think, just get me out of the European conversation straight away, Let's finish sort of ninth and just get that out of the way and we don't have to worry about it next season. Or do you still try and prize a Europa League place out of this season? Yeah, I, yeah, I put this on Twitter and I actually think it's, it's much better not to have Europa League because the Thursday, Sundays, we've had it in the past and it's, it's ruined our league form. Like there's, I've seen stats where we play games and then when we had the Thursday, Sunday, the, the difference in our form in the league would be absolutely astronomical. And I think it's just a massive distraction. You see in 2015, Leicester won the league without being in Europe. Chelsea won it next year after finishing 10th. I think Europa League's a massive distraction and it really tires on the players' legs and hurts our league form. So I'd rather not be in Europe at all, really. James, it is a very compelling argument and I think because teams have gained the system, as it were, in the past, it does make you think, well, maybe there's some mileage in there. At the same time, that shouldn't mean you're being accused of a lack of ambition, but because other teams have done it, there is a sort of kernel of an idea of thinking, well, actually, maybe we go down that route ourselves. 
Yeah, exactly. Especially that that example about Chelsea. You know, they had such a bad season, and then and then after that, they they absolutely flew up the table. Um, but personally, I, I, my my preference is is different. I, I always want Tottenham to be playing in Europe. I think, you know, we're we're not a big club if we're not competing in Europe. Uh, and also, there's there's no reason why we we can't go into the Europa League and uh, and and actually win the thing. You know, there's there's no point us being in the Europa League if we're not going to compete for it. And you know, we've seen the standard of the Europa League over the last few years hasn't been as good. Uh, you know, even United got there under Mourinho and, and won it. So there's no reason why I don't. Th- I think that we we can't do it, and you know that's another route into the Champions League. Then, so yeah, the league form might take a take a bit of a, a hammering, but you know you'd also like to think that we've got we've made changes to the squad and we've got a, a thicker squad now to to be able to compete on more than one front, uh, and certainly we've definitely got another route, a run to to a, a European final in us. So there's there's no reason why uh, we 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 can't take the Europa League seriously and. You know, yeah, Jose might use the last few games if, if Champions League is out of out of our reach. He might make he might make some changes to to you know test out his squad, test out a new formation or a new style. Um, but I think with the players that we've got at our disposal, we should always be aiming for for top six if it's not top four. Um, so yeah, I, I really think that, that we should be competing in Europe. And you know, the the, the game is about glory in the day, and, and I think that we we do need to be uh, competing across Europe. That's that's what that's where we need to be. At the same time, Cole, here's us saying, "Oh, it's fine. We'll we'll chuck the Europa League." Are oh, Tottenham as a club even in a position to do that? Do we have that luxury? Because when you look at how hard top four, top six, maybe even top eight as a battle is, how it could even be hard with Newcastle getting in the mix. Surely you have to sort of just be, you know, in Europe as much as you can. And if you get in the Europa League, it might just be your quickest route back into the Champions League anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if you talk to fans, I think, you know, we're looking at it from the point of view that we've seen other clubs have some real good success without having to be in a European competition, haven't you? And the nicety of just playing, you know, Saturday, you know, Saturdays, you know, every Saturday, you know, none of these silly Thursday, Sunday games, then it appeals to us. Um, and we'd like the opportunity to see if we could get that success without those that headache. I'm sure the club, sit there are sitting there saying no listen even if it's Europa League we need to be in Europe we need to be bringing some of that money in that, that the European competition will bring and the TV the extra TV revenue and that that comes with it so you know I'm sure the club want to be there and you know my only view would be is if we do if we were going to get in there then I don't mind us using it as a springboard to bring some of the younger players through where you know we know you look at those group stages, you know, you'd have to be pretty bad to get out of not get out of that group stage with some of the teams you're playing. So if it's a chance to bed some of the younger players, bring others through, give them some good experience. And then obviously if you start the deeper you start going in that competition, the, you know, the more serious you take it. And as James has said, you know, you can get back into the champions league via that route. Um, so I'm sure the club do. As fans, I'm with JJ. I'd like to see what could happen of a year where we didn't get that if it wasn't going to be Champions League and see how we could continue. But then again, as well, do players want to not be in Europe at all? I know they all want to be in the Champions League, but if you said to them, well, if it wasn't that Europa League, some might say, well, yeah, at least I'm playing in Europe. So I'm sure it probably is more beneficial to be in Europe than out of it. But um, I'm sure if you ask the majority of fans, they'd probably all say they'd have a season out of it if it was the Europa League. OK, James, let's focus to Friday and there's going to be no Deli Alley. It seems the FA have tied up their inbox just in time for the restart of the season. 
They've handed him a one-game ban. Do you think the punishment fits the crime, especially when you consider its well? I guess it's comparison against other recent indiscretions from Premier League players. Uh, I mean, first of all, I think it's disgraceful that that players like Kyle Walker uh, and Jack Grealish have got away with with things, you know, that, that are a lot more serious um, than what Deli Ali did. Um, obviously, going out and breaking lockdown rules and. Uh, and really setting a bad example, you know that that is something that you'd hope the the FA would would go ahead and uh, and punish because it's you know it's not good enough from these players who are in a position where you know they're role models. They need they're looked up to by so many people and they shouldn't be doing what they were doing. Um, that said, Deli Ali's in exactly the same position. Uh, I think he, he he was idiotic to do what he did and and think that he was going to get away with it without any kind of retrospective punishment. Um, so, you know, I don't think I've seen any Tottenham fans defending Deli Alley. Um, and I say a one match ban is, is probably a, a, a very fair deal. Um, you know, it's not too heavy handed, but it's also not been swept under the carpet, not been ignored. Um, and, you know, it's, it, I think the the inclusion of the, um, you know, he's got, he's got to go to that, uh, that course, the educational course. I think with the, the inclusion of that is, is important too, because, you know, it's easy to give someone a slap on the wrist and, and not explain why, but he's, he's at least going to get uh, a bit of a lecture. And, uh, and you know, I think it's a, it's a very fair punishment as long as uh, the some of the other uh, discretions that have, that have happened during this uh, during this pandemic do do go punished as well, because it would be it would be really disappointing to see things like that just ignored by the FA when it's meant to be their job to, to regulate these players and, and their behaviour off the field as well as on it. And JJ, there's also a risk that Lo Celso may be unavailable due to injury. So that's obviously going to be a blow if that happens. For you though, how much can he offer the team between now and the end of the season if and when he's fit? I think he showed before um, obviously this whole situation hit that he turned into a, one of our most important players really. And I think I think he will be fit because even though he wasn't seen in like the training matches, he, he, he is back in full training. But he offers us a massive, massive, massive boost in the midfield. Him and Ndombele together could be genuinely really something special. Carl, in terms of the Ndombele Lo Celso pivot, this has been mooted by a number of people. Is that something that you're on board with? Or are people just sort of taking two summer signings, fusing them together and saying, there you go, there's our centre midfield? Uh, well, see, I, I, I'd, the way I'd play, I, I think you can fit both of them in, but obviously both have different roles. You know, for me... Lo Celso is the player that you give the freedom to and just say, OK, you're our creative spark. You know, I want you all over the place picking the ball up. You know, Ndombele, for me, I want him in the centre and I want him just, you know, he is a box-to-box. We've seen, you know, if, if he's fit, he's a great box-to-box man. He can suddenly take you from the edge of your box and probably get you to the edge of the opposition's box with one of them runs. And if we can see that Ndombele, then when you've got him and Lo Celso in midfield, Paired with one other who's going to be your kind of holding man and, and concentrate on the defensive job, which for me right now would be Sissoko, then, you know, I, I think those two could work really well in that midfield and give us a lot of power. Um, we just have to hope they both hit the ground running. You know, I think Undenbele has got a lot to prove. Um, and, I, you know, I'm hoping this break has given him a chance to get that fitness up. And he's got the desire to come back and prove everyone wrong. Because we have seen the flashes of what could be a really special player. Um, and we just have to hope we now get the best out of him. And James, if you were to give an honest assessment of Lo Celso in his first season so far, 
What are you giving to me? Uh, I, I think he's, he's become a really important player. Um, one of our most important players. Obviously, he got off to a very slow start, um, but that was due to injury. And, you know, we didn't really know what uh, what system we wanted to play in. Um, but since then, he's, he's become one of our most important players. And, and, you know, you can see a difference when he's on the pitch to when he's not. Um, he, he, it's not quite the same when Deli Ali's playing in that number ten role. He hasn't quite got the the vision that that La Celso has, and you know I, I think he's only going to get better too. I, I think La Celso is is probably the closest thing that we've had to Luka Modric at Tottenham in in a long time, and I think he's yeah he is only young as well. He's going to get better and better. Um, I, I think if you're looking across the season. He probably didn't have the impact across the whole season as he wanted, but you know that's that's down to his slow start. But if you're taking him coming back from injury uh, and every game since then, uh, especially under Mourinho, uh, he's he's been one of our best players, and and you know he's he's the heartbeat of the team. He's what's making us tick. So uh, hopefully he can stay fit. Hopefully this this little injury worry isn't isn't too much of a concern. Um, hopefully he'll, he'll play some part uh, on Friday, if not Tuesday. And uh, you know, uh, if he is out for an extend another extended period, then you can start to raise your eyebrows and and, and think there must be something wrong here. But but for now, um, let's just see how how bad this injury is because it, the way he's been playing, we we need him on the pitch. JJ, we spoke about forwards on last week's show and whether just having one senior out and out forward is something that holds us back as a club. That's not something we can solve in these next few weeks. So with that said, I guess now really is the supporting cast time to shine once again. Yeah, it really is, without a doubt. And with like, I think it's criminal just having one striker, really. Even though it is Kane, you see he gets injured, you know, two months a season if we're lucky. And it really is time for Bergwijn, Lamella, Lucas, Son always steps up, but those three especially to really play their roles. They'll be rotated, but they've all got to really, 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 really help us. And Cole, if we talk about trying to solve that striker dilemma... We discussed Timu Puki on last week's show, and it was a little bit divisive when we got to Twitter. So I'm not saying it has to be him per se, but a player of his ilk is the perfect example of suggesting a half-decent option, and people just turn their noses up and complain, and then whinge that we've only got one senior striker. Yeah, I think you know, I discussed with you, Dan, didn't I? What I find funny is, if you throw out some real top-quality striker names, people will say to you, oh, they, he ain't going to come and sit on the bench and be second fiddle to Kane. So you go, OK, well, if, if that's not the sort of level of striker people think we can get because, you know, Kane is there and he is going to be your main striker. OK, well, how about this guy? Prem experience has looked good for Norwich, as you said, 11 goals in a team that's possibly going to get relegated. That isn't too sad, is it, Dan? You know, I'd be quite happy with that playing in that side. So what could he do in a good side? Um and if he's not going to be a main starter each week, you're looking to bring a player in who knows the league, can have an impact when he plays, and he's going to be prepared to come. So when you offer up those players, people go, oh, well, we, like we want him. Well, make your minds up. What do you want? Because you're saying we can't have this level, but now you're even saying we can't have that level of striker. So there's no one out there, in theory, we can go and get because we've got Kane. I, I just find it amusing um, that people turn their noses up at these players when what we're saying is we need someone who can come in, experience, hit the ground running. Yes, we know they're not going to be a well-beater or a world-class, but you know you need someone of experience who can offer that help. And people seem to be turning their noses noses up at players that you know I'd bite your you know your right hand off to have at the club. 
And James, I was saying to Cole about that discussion in the week that I'm not sure if you agree either, that there seems to be something of an overriding fixation that every new signing that the club could make or is set to make has to be 21-22 and is going to give us eight fantastic years of service. Sometimes you just need players who can come in for a couple of years, play a pivotal role, you know, know their role in terms of the club structure and then just sort of move on. Just short term, there's nothing wrong with that. Do you think sometimes supporters are guilty of latching onto the wrong targets? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we've become so accustomed to to bringing in players at, at the start of their career and, and watching them flourish and watch them kind of turn into Tottenham players rather than uh, come here as as winners. Um, that that's that's what we think we should be doing going forward. Um, you know, if we see the the discussions about bringing in a new centre back and there's people turning their nose up at, at people like Godin and. and uh, and uh, Thiago Silva and Koulibaly from Napoli, and it's just confusing because yeah, the, these players might might only have two or three le- uh, years left at, at their top level, but they're they're born winners. They're they're fantastic players, and there's no reason why we need we need them in in eight years time because we've got you know there's there's a long term plan for that. Um, as, as long as there is a long-term plan, I don't mind. You know, you look at the Man United vein, that didn't really work, bringing in players like Sanchez. But you know, the, there is a long-term plan, hopefully, at Tottenham. Um, it's, it's all about buying the, the right players for the right position to, to fit the style. And you, know, you look at signings at United, like them signing Matic, um, you know, on, on the cheap. Uh, he's, he's a player who's, who's yeah, he's at, the, at the end of his career, really. But he allowed... Pogba to have that little bit more freedom and, and, and that's got a lot of success for, uh, for United in that season so you know it's, we need to need players to, to fit the bill and, and we need players that are, are going to come in and, and hit the ground running uh, and, and if we are scouring League 1, League 2 then uh, for, for a young gem that's going to turn into a world beater then we're going to have to give it a year or two for them, for them to bed in so as much as I don't want us going and spending huge fees and huge huge wages on on players that are past it, uh, you do need that experience around the squad, and there's no reason why why we can't, as you say, have have players that have got a one two year turnaround uh, just while that that long term plan kind of fits into place. If we if we buy a, an older centre half, who's gonna who's gonna be our starting centre half next to Toby for call it two years? You know, by then Sanchez is going to be up to speed. You're going to have someone like Foyt maybe coming coming through, and 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 circumstances are going to be different when that player uh, turns turns around and says he wants to retire. So, you know, there's there's plenty of positives to bringing in someone who isn't considered a wonder kid. Absolutely, don't rule out the veterans. That's all I'm saying. So JJ, let's say I've given you the checkbook for the summer. It's not a blank check, but you've got some money, some funds for one striker. Give me a name who we can realistically sign. Let's exclude someone like Dybala. So realistically, with the market as it is, who do you think we should be going for? Honestly, someone like Danny Ings. I'd, realistically, I'd say we. it's a long shot because he's Southampton's top scorer and they might want a bit of money to let him go. But he's, he'd be perfect as a backup striker. He scored 15-plus goals this season in Southampton's side that are battling down the bottom. And it, we need someone like that, even Jimenez who obviously there's been links with him which probably aren't that reliable, but those are the type of players that we need to try and, you know, they could, we don't have to always play like this one up top formation. We can be more fluid than that. We can play two strikers up top. And with someone like Danny Ings or Jimenez, it gives us the option to do that. Yeah, very good shouts. I'd agree with those. So, Cole, if we look ahead to this Friday, actually, sorry, let's look back to last Friday because the 
uproar after that unexpected um, defeat to Norwich in a friendly, albeit no no revenge for the FA Cup. But really, how <laughs> how much should we be looking into that defeat? I, I couldn't believe the meltdown, Ben. <laughs> I, I really couldn't believe the meltdown, given that you've played a game that was split over four quarters. Um, you know, by the by the sounds of it, at the end of the game, we had a basically youth side on um, the pitch. And I just, you just think some fans just forget the whole primary point of what this game was, wasn't it? Which is purely fitness. You're just getting players into fitness, letting them get a run out, letting them get the feel for a touch and everything again on the ball. Um, you'd think we'd just lost a cup final the way oh, no. Twitter went um, on Friday night. Um, you know, take nothing into it. You know, pre-seasons and everything like that, you can't read nothing into how you've played. You know, I remember many pre-seasons where we'd gone unbeaten and we'd smashed teams left, right and centre and you'd think, oh, this is it, we're going to be flying here. And we didn't pick up a win for about the first seven games of the season. So it was a training exercise split up into four quarters. I bet you players were told, listen, nothing stupid, don't go mad. You're just out here to get your touch, get your feel. Um, and honestly, some people just need to get a grasp of what the game was. Um, and probably, you know, it, you know, when Norwich probably scored, there was probably a youth side on the pitch. So that that's keep it into perspective. Friday's the one that matters. Um, and, and that's all we should care about. So, yeah, come on, guys, you know, get with it. Well, you talk about perspective, you've only got to remember the 2008-2009 season under Wande Ramos. We had that great pre-season, pumped Roma 5-0, bent and Bentley on fire. Everyone thought, yep, this is the one. And like you say, two points from a possible 24 and Ramos is off. So, you know, don't <laughs> don't worry too much, chaps. It, yes, it's not good to, uh, to see your team lose, but, you know, it's all about this Friday. With that said, James, Eric Lamella got the goal. That was arguably the high point of that evening or afternoon. Rumour has it he now has nine games to save what is left of a possible end of Tottenham career. So if you're a betting man, do you see him in Tottenham colours for the 2021 season? Um, personally, I, I do. Um, simply because I think Tottenham are going to be asking uh, a fee of other clubs that they're not going to have at their disposal. Uh, and I think I said it last week that if, if a club um, has got some kind of fees at their disposal, I don't think Lamella is the kind of player that they, that they would go after. Um, I think you know he's a he's a uh, I say this tongue in cheek, but he's a luxury player to have. Um, he's not he's not a kind of someone that you'd build your team around. And I think for the money that that, that Daniel Levy would be asking for Lamella, I think we'd find it very hard to shift him on in in the climate that this transfer window is going to be like. You know, funds are going to be short, uh, and uh, and clubs are going to have to think about where that money is going rather than. Um, being able to splash out on on someone who someone like Lamella who y you can't really rely on. Um, so as as much as I think he he should be moving on, um, dependent on how how well these next nine games go, of course. Um, I think he is kind of coming to the end of of his spell at Tottenham, and I guess you would call it a bit of a flop. Um, but you know, think of it this way: if Tottenham were were looking at someone like Lamella now, then you'd be thinking, well, we've got other areas on our pitch that need covering drastically, and that kind of a player isn't isn't one of them. Um, and you know, I, I can't see any other club that that really would want to take that risk on Lamella in terms of the money that they're going to have at their disposal. And uh, yeah, I, I just can't see it happening. 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's not going to be for a want of trying. It's more going to be a lack of suitors, which stops Lamella moving on. Hopefully, though, he has a good nine games and can you know keep his career going. But at the same time, you might argue that the squad as a whole needs an element of refresh, and he would be one of the perfect names to fulfil that role. Anyway, JJ, Min Song, he played during that game with quite an almighty amount of fire strapping. Do you think that was more precaution than anything else? Yeah, hope that was definitely precaution. I think if there was any risk whatsoever, Marino wouldn't have had him on the pitch. I don't think that's really something to worry about. We get worked up over a lot of things, but I think we can, we can, um, we can settle down on that one and think right, that's okay. It's just a bit of precaution. Yeah. Right, okay, that's a relief then. So don't worry on that front. Cole, I see today the uh, the transfer rumours back in action. Paul Lopez, remember him? He didn't play a single minute for us in the Premier League during the 2016-17 season when he was on loan from Espanyol. He's gone to Roma since. £36 million is the fee. Surely that one's not getting over the line, is it? Not at all, Dan. I mean, <laughs> you know, not, not a chance. You know, we had, as you say, he was there, wasn't he? Um, and when, you, when you don't even get a minute, you know, and you're not even talking about a League Cup minute, here when you've come to the club then he obviously hadn't impressed someone that much while he was there um so i can't see now we certainly are not about to go and spend 36 million on a, on what potentially is going to be a backup goalkeeper um so no chance on that one okay let's debunk a couple more james another deal that looks like it could be fish and chip paper by tomorrow is the signing of wait for it aaron ramsey from juventus now when you look at this ramsey absolutely hated spurs during his time down the road I don't think even he'd be keen on this one, would he? Uh, absolutely not. And I think that's probably the point. Um, I think Ramsey is, is, is probably a player that I'd, I'd have around the squad. Um, he's, it's goals from midfield. Um, you know, I guess you'd say similar to Deli Ali, but maybe a little bit more successful than Deli Ali in short spells. Um, so it, it, I would take it. Uh, however, I, I really can't see him himself agreeing to that kind of a deal. Um, he's, he's only had a, a real short time in Italy, and I'm sure that he'd want to make that work before um, before considering coming back to England. And if he is going to come back to England, yeah, you can say his family are in London. He, he won't want to move this, that and the other. Um, I, I just can't see him going against uh, all his loyalties, which which lie with Arsenal and, and coming down the road to, to Tottenham. I think it would be a career suicide uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the fans. So I, I just can't see it happening, no. And JJ, here's another one. We spoke about Thiago Silva earlier. Now, he'd be a decent replacement or even a more than decent replacement for Jan Vertonghen if he moves on. So, talent aside, and his age, his salary, wait for it, 360000 a week. Now, that might be just a little bit of a stumbling block, mightn't it? Just a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is no way Levy is going for that if that doesn't get at least, if, that's, if he's not like at least in a third of what he's going to be on if he ever comes here. There is no way he's getting more than 120 grand from Levy and that is tops so I mean I think he'd be a great option because he's proven he's won so many things we need winners we need experienced players like we've been saying there's no need to always just get these 21 22 year olds with like a big sell on in the future you can take these players if you want to win things and he's a Mourinho type of player and hopefully it happens but it's doubtful really I think yeah, I mean, I think ideally, in terms of the squad and the transition from one older centre-back to another, it would be perfect. As James says, you know, you're talking about the process and the sort of the long-term plan where you think, OK, well, I can get one or two years out of silver. He shifts on. Others come up the ranks. You know, it all sort of fits into place quite nicely. I don't think Silver himself would be thinking, I can get 360 a week in the Premier League. He's probably going to think to himself, OK, well, at my age, I need to be a bit more pragmatic about what I can earn. So... 
he's probably looking for, I don't know, 150, 180. If Tottenham can, like, say, 120, there might be scope for a deal. But, you know, Levy, all that. So I don't get too excited at this moment. But if it did happen, that would be a fantastic coup nevertheless. Right, so we've gone around the gossip columns. Bit crazy this week, but um, let's focus on our teams for Friday. So, Cole, what's your starting eleven looking like? So, for me, obviously, we've got Larice in goal. Um, now, I know he splits, you know, and divides divides sort of um, fans' opinion. But right now, I'm going to go Warrior right back. Um, then, for me, it's going to be Toby and uh, Davison at the back with Ben Davies at left back. I'm going to go for a two in central midfield of Undenbele with Sissoko. And then I'm going to go, you know, kind of four up top, really doing the danger. So I'm going to Bergvine on the right, Son on the left, Lacelso just floating behind Kane, um, doing his little creative bit, and obviously Kane up top. And I kind of think, you know, that to me is a solid formation. I think it's the best we can probably get out right now um, until the summer and we can maybe make some moves and, you know, get replace the fullbacks. So that, that's the team I'm going to go with. Um, I think that's probably our stronger, strongest side. Um, so there's going to be no Delhi, no, no Mora there, even if they were fit. Um, especially in Delhi's case and wasn't suspended. I wouldn't have picked him. He'd be on the bench. But I think if we go with that side and they've all got their, you know, some freshness back in their legs and they're raring to go, I, I feel that's a pretty strong side. Yeah, I don't think it gets much stronger, to be honest. You could argue Tanganga if he was fit, but, you know, experience, in inverted commas, from Aurier versus the naivety of youth is always an argument. That said, James, are you going for anything different? Uh, slightly, I'm I'm going to go on the assumption that La Celso isn't going to make Friday. Oh. Um, so I, I'd I'd go I'd stick with the same uh, back five uh, as Carl. Um, then my, my midfield it'd be more of a three um, of uh, Winks and Dombele and um, Deli Ali. So he, he kind of a, a floating number ten, but I think he, a lot goes under the radar um, with Deli Ali. Is is his defensive work? He does a lot of work off the ball. Um, and I think he, he could be a really important extra extra body in midfield when we're defending. Uh, and my reasoning for, for Harry Winks is that I think he could do a really decent man-marking job on Bruno Fernandes. Um, you know, I just think if, 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 if Winks' sole purpose is to is to stick to him, and uh, he is the player that, that makes United tick. Um, you know, you can talk about Pogba if he's going to be in the side or, uh, or even Rashford, someone like that up top. I think... The, the player that has made the difference between United struggling at the start of the season and becoming a, a real force has been the signing of Bruno Fernandes. So I, I think Winksy, if he's been, you know, if he's been trained properly in a, in a man-marking role, I think he could do a real a real job on someone like Fernandes. Uh, and that you know, that obviously helps with with Dele Alli dropping back into midfield uh, and and helping helping do a job there. And you know, then you've got someone like Sissoko a bit of explosive power to, to come on and, and bolster the midfield if uh, if needs be. Um, I'd, I'd like to see Ben Davies at left back so that Sessegnon could could come on a bit later and uh, and try and make the difference there. Uh, and then, again, the, the, the front three, I'm going to go with the same as Carl. It, it writes itself with, with Bergwijn, Kane and Son. Uh, and then you've got someone like Lucas Moura coming off the bench. Um, but, you know, ho- hopefully Lo Celso um, is, is able to play uh, if, if he is able to play, I'd put him where Deli Ali is, and, and Lo Celso would just have to be a little bit more defensively mindful. But he's, he's a very clever footballer; I'm sure he'd be able to. Um, but I'm, I'm going on the assumption that, that Lo Celso isn't going to be quite ready for Friday, and, 
and maybe get some minutes under his belt on Tuesday. Right, James, I don't want to piss on your chips, but don't forget Deli Ali's also suspended. So if I've got no Ali, no Lo Celso, what are you doing then? Uh, so no Ali and no Lo Celso. Um, it's a very good question. I completely forgot about his suspension. <laughs> I'm very sorry about that. That's right. Um, I, I guess you'd turn to someone like Lamella um, to, to play that number 10 role if, if he's ready to do so. Um, you know, Hopefully he's not injured, but... Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go with Lamella in that number 10 role instead uh, and put a bit of weight on his shoulders. But also, he, he can get around the park and he can do a bit of uh, defensive work as well. Right, OK, JJ. Any variations between Cole's and James's 11s? I've got the exact same team as Cole, but I'd actually play a three with Sissoko and Dombele in the cell side. OK. I could give a bit more structure because against United's midfield. But um, unfortunately, yeah, we're going to have to play Aurea. He is a bit of a liability. If Tanganga was fit, I'd put him at right back and then put Sessegnon at left back, since Jose likes the one attacking fullback and the one defensive fullback. But if one of Ndombele and Lacelso were to play high, I'd actually prefer it to be Ndombele. I think Lacelso is actually more energetic and a good ball carrier from midfield, and Ndombele is shown with his like tight little turns and he can pick a little short passes and split open the offense, the defense. He'd be great in that ten I think. So yeah, that's my team. I'll stay with you, JJ. What do you think is the key battle in Friday night's game? I think it's gonna it's all over the midfield. If Pogba, there's been rumour that Pogba won't start, came out from the Athletic today, but I think he will. So I assume it will be Matic, Pogba, and Bruno against Sissoko, Lacelso, and Ndombele. And I think we've got to we've got to contain them and don't let them get the balls out wide and keep try and keep them quiet. Really, if you're looking from a sort of wide point of view, we know that Aurier does have a lapse in him. So let's focus on the other side of the pitch, the left hand side. Ben Davis, always sort of solid, dependable, doesn't quite like to go over halfway. So how much of a wide threat will United offer down the left-hand side? Um, a massive. With Rashford back, if they play the Rashford, Martial and then James, they've got a lot of pace. And um, I think they can, they can really, really hurt us out wide, playing one-on-one against Davis. And then Aurier as well, who's shown that he's quite naive defensively, really. So it's a, it's a, it's a worrying set of matchups, really. Yeah, I guess that's the biggest concern. But, Cole, if we look at from a positive point of view, Harry Kane, he should be fit and raring to go. You know, this is what it's made for now. He's had the rest that we've all been hoping for for a while now. How quick can he get out of the blocks? Yeah, I think, obviously, the, the one thing we don't know here is how anybody's going to get out of the blocks given the break they've had, do we? Because this is kind of now, you're sort of, again, pre-season again, isn't it? I, you, we know with Harry, he's going to be super fit. He's going to be super charged and ready to go. He's going to want to score goals and possibly try and get himself in the golden boot um, contention. So I would like to think, and, and you trust that he's quality. So you do know if he gets the chances, he'll stick them away. He had a good rest. Um, hopefully that ankle is raring to go. Um, so let's just hope, yeah, it, he's firing and we create the chances that we need to for him. You know, the worry we've got is, isn't we, you know, we've gone into some of these big games at home recently, haven't we? Like the Chelsea games and, and those sort of games where we, we really kind of were looking confident and you felt confident. And then it was just a flat performance where we barely created any problems. You know, we didn't worry them too much. They had lots of possession and we were just flat. And that's the sort of performance we really got to hope we don't see again you know we we've got to come out energized and, and go for it and you know if we do 
and all those guys have kind of had that rest, I don't see any reason why we can't give United a game and cause them more problems than they cause us. You know, the one thing I think that's going to really be the key thing in this game is pace because we've got it up top with Son and Bergvine. But obviously the one thing we've seen is that United, if they've got Rashford and Martial, that's the thing that scares me the most. Um, and that's the area, I think, given our back four and the fact that it's kind of ageing and doesn't have that much pace. And on the right-hand side, you've got Oreo who's likely just to explode at some point and, and kick Martial <laughs> or Rashford into Rose Z just at a key moment. Um, that's the bit that really kind of frightens me. But that's hope we're all on fire. And if we create, if we give Harry the ball in the right areas, I'm sure he'll stick a few away. Now, James, usually when you're overturned by a team earlier in the season, you sort of use what's happened as a blueprint to then try and get success later on. So what can we learn from that United defeat? Or because the season has had a hiatus and everything's been in such a state of flux, do we have to just sort of scrub that one clean and just start afresh? Yeah, absolutely. It's a completely different set of circumstances right now. We've we've got a different set of players almost. Uh, and I think... Yeah, everything about this game is going to be completely different. Um, as I say, hopefully um, the lads have had enough time in in the classroom as well as on the training field to to kind of study that United game and and study United games of, of games gone by. But also, you know, we've we've got to think about how 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 they've been setting up for for this game as well. You know, they're they're going to be ready and raring to go, and we're going to be ready and raring to go. It's just going to be a completely a different atmosphere going into a Premier League game uh, as to what it would usually would be at this stage of the season. Um, usually, you'd have some kind of rhythm and, and you'd know where you stand. But this is, you know, this is almost like starting the season all over again. Um, so, you know, we really just need to to get the basics right. And I'd, I'd like to think that hopefully the plan would be to to keep it tight to start with. Let's not concede a stupid goal in, in the opening twenty minutes because that that is just gonna. Uh, really put the heads down, especially when there's not the fans there to to get up, get uh, up the players and and give them a boost. Um, it's going to be really important not to to let an early early mistake, an early error, um, get our heads down because it'll be really hard to recover from that. You say that, but on the flip side, JJ, could the lack of fans also perhaps not add toxicity? Because let's be honest, it's not been a well, cathedral of noise at the Tottenham Stadium in that first part of the season. So if we do go a goal down, it's not a case of swirling boos and, oh my God, here we go again. It might just be a case of, right, dust yourself off. Don't worry about it. Let's go again. Yeah, I mean, you have everyone saying the things about the stadium now, about it's all touristy and it's not as loud as it used to be. But I think it, it is being quite toxic this year and it will be good for the players not to have anyone on our backs. But on the flip side, You've seen with the Bundesliga coming back, the away sides actually look to have that kind of home advantage known um, without the fans there. And that may be due to something like the psychological effects for the home players playing in a place where they're usually used to all these things happening and none of them are happening really. So it could go both ways, but hopefully it will just go the way we want it to go. Thankfully, Cole, I think we've got an ace up our sleeve because the video wall is going to be put into action do you think that's going to help in any uh, shape? Yes. <laughs> no. 
I'll tell you, I don't know who comes up with these no. ideas. I couldn't think of a worse. I mean, it, 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 we saw the German side did this, didn't we? And I couldn't think of nothing more off-putting. You know, if you're Harry Kane, you know, to, to have a shot and you've probably got some big Larry geezer sinking a beer with a bag of crisps staring at you for a screen. I think that's a dreadful idea, that. Um, but, you know, I guess if you're the one of the lucky ones, you'll probably be really excited. But I think it's a horrendous idea. But I'm just glad I'm not one of them because my reactions during a game, if things are not going that way, wouldn't want to be seen on a screen at the match, I'm sure. Yeah, they might have to cut the feed if it gets a bit too blue at your end, Cole. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Oi, Davidson. Oi, Davidson. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want me there. Right, OK. Let's uh, wrap it up with some predictions then. JJ, I'll start with you. What's the score going to be on Friday night? Um, Mourinho is not going to let them do it again. It's going to be 2-1 to us. Like it. James, what about yourself, mate? Uh, I'm going to go uh, an, an, uh, a bit of a horrible cagey 1-1. OK. And Cole, yourself? Yeah, for me, I can't see us keeping a clean sheet in this one, but I think I'm with JJ. I see us edging this 2-1. Yeah, I like the sound of 2-1. I don't think we'll get a clean sheet, but I think we'll we'll get a late winner. Bit of drama. Why not? Right, I need to do the admin. That's First, um, I need to tell people that with football coming thick and fast, we usually record every Monday night, which if there's a weekend game, will still be the case. But if it's in any other day of the week, we'll then do episode the night after. So there'll be a little bit of a regularity, but you'll get much more podcast so everyone's a winner yes they say right so i also need to thank my guest jj a sterling debut i hope you enjoyed that mate and you'd like to come back on soon yeah thank you very much mate really enjoyed it no problem mate thank you james pleasure as always good work absolutely mate can't wait for friday can't wait to, to talk on the pod again fantastic and Cole, likewise pleasure as always yeah really good to talk to you guys again and like i say can't wait for friday um get going again and, and get some sort of normality back Top man. Right, with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.